Welcome to the Valley Peak Nutrition Podcast. This is episode one of three, recapping the recent Exo Mountain Gear death hike that Mark and I both went on. The reason it's split into three different parts is simple. You guys had great questions and we really wanted to be sure to answer them the best that we could and to provide helpful tips that you might be able to use in your own adventures, no matter how big they are. On this episode, Mark and I will recap the hike itself. We'd initially planned 55 miles, 28,000 vertical feet of climbing, but it wasn't until four or five hours into the hike that we clearly saw we had to change that plan. We go over some highs and lows and uh, talk about the hike and how we dealt with each of those. The second episode and the third episode will be released shortly after that, and all of those cover an assortment of different topics and have a variety of guests on that I think will be incredibly insightful for everyone. I know that it was for me. I'll do my best to link everything that Mark and I chat about in this episode and every episode that we cover so you guys can take a look at the products or the food or anything that we used in our planning or on the hike itself to check out to see if it interests you and something you might want to use in your own adventures. Without further ado, here's part one of three from the 2020. 22 Alaska Death Hike. Welcome back to the Valley to Peak Nutrition Podcast. Mark and I this are on this week to recap the Exo Mountain Gear Death Hike, which we just returned from in the great state of Alaska. Mark, how are you? Good, man. How about yourself? I'm good. We are, has it been three weeks since we've been back? Yeah, I think about three weeks. Are your bruises recovered and all? <laughs> my bruises are recovered I mean, literal though, bruises i don't mean that figuratively well both yeah hey, uh, like it's funny because i'll come in at at night after um you know after stopping work for the day and grant will say dad how how are your bruises from alaska because <laughs> I, I made a post i don't know if, if anybody's seen it or not but he you know he said he saw the bruises on my arm one night when we were eating dinner or whatever and he was like dad did did alaska fall on you I'm like, well, <laughs> I think you got your words mixed up, but it's, that's pretty, pretty close to what had happened. Yeah. That's funny. So we went there, I guess it was about three weeks ago, uh, me and you and what, 20, 20 plus other dudes, some other guys we'd planned to do 55 miles yeah, and a whole lot of elevation, which did not happen. You'll hear more about that in a little bit, but you know, you're a, you're a death hike veteran and I would. I think I would and, and anyone that's listening from a high level, how do you feel like things went as a whole and maybe even more specific, how do you think things went on this one compared to past death hikes? Yeah, it was, I mean, this one's completely different, right? So uh, the death hike every year, you know, Steve primarily is coming up with what, what the mission is, uh, where, where it's happening and what we can change from years past. So uh, the goal is to not do the same thing or have the death hike be the same every year, but it's like, let's change it. So, you know, the first year I actually went was the year that myself and a couple other guys went straight through and completed what was supposed to be a two day hike, essentially directly through and I think finished at 3 a.m. And so immediately Steve was like, well, somebody finished without stopping, that's too easy. So then that's when we did the 100 miler the next year, for example. Uh, And then it was like, well, we've hiked a hundred miles. What else can we mix in? So then we were talking about doing like something in the winter with snowshoes. And that's when we did the Frank church death hike, for example. And then it escalated to let's go to Alaska. And we kind of thought, well, you know, it's Alaska. It may not work for a lot of guys, but we had guys committing right away and a bunch of interest. Uh, and logistically it really wasn't terrible. Um, I mean, you can attest to it, Kyle. It's like a flight to Alaska was pretty reasonable. Uh, and then thankfully logistics do in large part to 
Uh, some friends of EXO were great. We had a place to stay as guys arrived. And then we had help with transportation, getting to the trailhead. And um, so it actually is remote and grand and uh, difficult as Alaska can be. It was logistically smooth and relatively affordable. So we had a lot of guys uh, commit. But yeah, the original route, um, you know, it was, yeah, as you said, 55 miles, I think, in Onyx and then having done this a ton, we always know that it's pretty much take that number and add 10% to it in general, in terms of what you actually cover on the ground. So we were anticipating 60. Uh, and then I think the original route was 28,000 feet of elevation gain. Um, and then just knew that in large part, it would be dictated by conditions. So we're planning a route months ahead. Um, and then having to wonder what is snow and ice and glacier conditions and runoff and creek crossings and river crossings and how are all of those variables going to come into play uh the for the specific day you know days that we're going to be there in time of year so um yeah i mean it was it's funny for me behind the scenes because steve and i are having all these conversations and talking about the route or what if we did this or what if we did that and then you know we're in contact as a group with all the death hike participants, but then I'll have a phone call with you, Kyle, or, you know, get a text from Oberti or, you know, and Steve's having side conversations. And I think it was fun this year because there was so much unknown going into it. And then at the same time, I think Steve kind of like doubled down on that and was purposely trying to leave things kind of unknown and vague, um, partially because we didn't know, because there was a lot outside of our control and then partially because of that's just kind of the, I don't want to call it a mind game, right? But that's part of the fun of the death hike is like, if you knew what you were getting into 100%, then it's not really the intention of the whole endeavor, right? Yeah, someone um, someone had asked me you know, what was the most challenging mental part of it. It was that for sure. Like you would think, okay, you know, getting ready to go into Alaska, there's going to be, like you'd said, all these logistics that the group collectively talks through and what's planned. And, you know, like Alaska has pretty gnarly mountains talking through some of that stuff. None of that happened. <laughs> In fact, like, <laughs> I think it was pretty much crickets until about a week or so before we left. Steve sent like a Google Doc over and a Google Sheets over with like a very um a, a very rudimentary gear, gear list and so for me being a major planner walking into this you're basically saying yes to whatever it looks like and that for me was maybe the biggest the biggest uh the biggest mental challenge but to your point i would say having had done that like you know gotten together all of the gear and figured out how to get it from idaho to alaska and getting to alaska itself was so much easier than I thought that it uh, honestly, it really just opened my mind to, well, geez, that wasn't bad. What else could I go there and do? You know? Mm -hmm. And, and, um, that was, that was cool. And yes, I think, uh, I think the, I think Steve's and you would be able to attest to this better than I would. The idea is to make it hard. And part of that is to create just a ton of unknowns. And it, it did that because the whole, the whole impetus of it is like, you're, you're, challenging yourself beyond levels that are normally comfortable to you which will then make whatever that limit used to be bigger 
right? And so mm-hmm. things that used to seem really challenging, whether it's not having a detailed plan or, um, you know, going, if, if before your max mileage had been 10 miles in a day, doing 36 and 48 and 40 hours is like, well, 10 is nothing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So sure. we all, uh, everybody kind of landed, I think on what a Thursday. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Did we start hiking Thursday? I think we started hiking. Uh, so yeah, it's everybody, it is to me too. And it was only three weeks ago. Everybody landed on a Thursday and we had 20 some odd guys stacked into a two bedroom condo. <laughs> yeah. And unfinished, like throwing out sleeping pads. I think you and I, Kyle, were in a room with three other guys maybe. And there was literally guys like in the backyard and just everywhere. Yeah. And a- average temperature in the summers in Alaska is like, I've, I've looked this up. I think it's somewhere between 50, 65, 70 degrees at the highest. I'm pretty sure it was 95 whenever we were there. And that, mm-hmm. that, that top room was smoking hot. <laughs> <laughs> And, and then we were right next to the freeway. So the, everybody came in on a Thursday. The plan was to start hiking midday on Friday, which we did. Talk a little bit about, uh, if, you're up, if you're up for it, talk a little sure. bit about just that first day whenever we first started hiking, what that looked like. Yeah, so we the original route had obviously a start point and an end point. It's basically a giant loop. Uh, but the start point and end point were originally separate by a few miles. Um, and so we were basically starting up, you know, certain drainage and then make, getting into the mountains, big circle around and coming out and down a different drainage. And just to make logistics easier, um, we decided, hey, let's all get to the end point where we had rented um, this house, basically, that we we're going to finish the hike at. Instead of shuttling over to the start point, let's just hike. So really, it was an odd feeling, but the death hike started by being a bunch of road warriors. So we had 22 guys hiking down, uh, the highway essentially in Alaska, there was a bike path along it. And I think it was, I don't know, Kyle, three miles of pavement, something like that. Um, and then turned into just a little bit of like low trail by a Creek, essentially a a gravel road. Um, and then all of a sudden turn into a real trail and bust in a bunch of brush. Uh, but yeah, it was just honestly a bit surreal to go, Oh yeah, this is the death hike. We're in Alaska. This is this remote grand great adventure and we're hiking along the highway. So it was just an odd start to be honest with you. No, I agree. I, in fact, I remember like, so you, we had to cross this road to get over to the rock road to get to the trail. And you know, like some guys were going under the road, some guys were crossing the road and you're getting honked at. And it's just, uh, it's like, where are we? Yeah. This is, you know, you, cause like you're saying, you're anticipating this extreme remoteness, which we did eventually get, but you know, you hiked, uh, you know, three and a half miles or whatever on road, um, to start it. And then, so then, you know, we go up the rock road, which I think it was like, you'd said three and a half, four miles and you'd. You know, like I'm sort of anticipating, this is my first one, right? I'm sort of Mm -hmm. anticipating this collective gathering right, you know, right at the, right at the trail and everybody like, all right, you know, here we go, blah, blah, blah. Nope. You find, it's like we came to the trail and I mean, it's like people turn jets on right there. The trail, first (laughs) of all, it was 4,000. Yeah. That first pull is 4,000 feet, 4,000 feet over two miles. Yeah. I was just looking. So it at five miles into the hike, I have my Strava pulled up. So at five miles into the hike, we're at 
an elevation of 600 feet. And then at, yeah, it's seven and a half in, we were at, yeah, almost 4,000 feet higher. So yeah, call it 4,000 feet and two and a half miles. Yeah. And when we got to, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 I don't even know how to describe this, but it's almost just, I'm expecting this like grand departure. Here we go. It's Alaska. And it's just like this, this trail, right? It's just off the side of this main rock road. And man, some of those, some guys like turned on the jets, just basically sprinting up there to start with. And I mean, I quickly realized knowing what's ahead, there's zero way I'll be able to keep that pace for long. I thought there's zero pace. Anybody's gonna be able to keep this pace for that long. Yeah. So I, I mean, I definitely had to slow and sure enough, like as we started creeping up, um, guys were slowing a lot of guys, including me. I was like, if I keep this pace with this heat, I started to feel like I was going to throw up. So I mm-hmm. definitely had to, had to back off from that. But yeah, that, that first climb was definitely, um, it was, it was a challenge. It was steep. Yeah. That was unique too. So starting in the middle of the day was unique. Um, I think the closest thing we maybe have come to that was when we did the Frank church fly in and then hike out, which was snowshoes. But, you know, we met at the airport and flew in. And by the time we got guys shuttled in and landed at airstrips and et cetera, we started at probably 11 AM that day. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, here we are in Alaska starting in the afternoon, unseasonably warm, massive climb after the road miles and the road miles again it's hot and then you're on pavement so that was hot uh and then you get to the trail and the turnoff of the trail you're starting in the bottom and so you're just in a bunch of brush high humidity in a coastal environment surrounded by thick vegetation uh heat of the day and a massive climb so that first you know when you get to the trail and start pulling some elevation it, it was hot like it you know instant just massively drenched sweat and already my head's going to trying to manage like some level of hydration um and as you said pacing like i think i'm always curious i can't speak for anybody else but i think you're talking about that initial pace and some guys taking off i don't think i mean maybe for some guys that's like yeah let's get after it let's go uh like let's set a pace or let's get out in front but i think a lot of that's just anticipation you know we flew in the night before guys are all excited you've been thinking about this for months we finally get shuttled to the point like everybody feels a bit like a racehorse who's been locked up for 12 hours at that point so when you actually hit a trail it's i think a lot of guys just kind of on adrenaline and excitement are like yeah let's hike and get after it but um yeah it was it was hot and and i mean honestly um there were several guys who i'm pretty sure aren't human i don't know what they're made (laughs) of but they are absolute um freaks of nature whenever it comes to just like athletic performance their ability to be able to maintain and climb some of that stuff at that pace really for what seems like just endless amounts of time is is uh it's pretty it's pretty awesome to watch yeah i'm so it's interesting for me kyle to talk to um to you and it being your first time and hear not only about your experience but like your observations of you've heard about the death hike for years you've heard us talk about it uh you've helped us plan for it um but then to finally experience it and kind of like you said like a i don't know what called a misconception but you're thinking there's gonna be like this grand send off and they're like oh well that doesn't happen a bunch of guys just started hiking right those types of things are really funny to me and 
um, uh, Mark Rowanhurst, who is a guide up in Alaska that I'm hunting goats with um, this fall. And from here on out, I'm going to call him Henry, which is a nickname I've given him. And it clarifies things since we're both named Mark. So Henry was there for the first time. And it was the same for me, like throughout the hike and afterwards to talk to Henry and be like, what was your perception of the death hike? And then now having done one, like what are the things that surprised you about the reality of it? But I can see for both of you, because you both kind of commented on it in different times, like just the group dynamic of some guys going crazy hard, some guys staying in their own pace, um, guys taking breaks when they want to take breaks and then other groups pass them and then other groups stop. It's just an interesting, if you think of 22 guys hiking, it's not as like structured or organized as you might think of like 22 guys in line heading up and then 22 guys stopping and taking a break and that type of thing. There's a lot of fluidity to the group dynamics and pace. And, um, it's just interesting. I, I, uh, someone had asked me about this and I quickly realized, and this is going to sound very, um, I don't know, sensationalizing it, but it's, you really are height. You are really hiking your own hike right? You, you happen mm-hmm. to be with 22 other guys. Those 22 other guys are keeping an eye out for you, making sure that you're at least still okay and that you're on your way and that, you know, all of these things, there is like this collective group effort, but in reality, you are basically hiking your own hike. And there will be periods where you're with the group as a whole, where you're by yourself, where you're helping, waiting for somebody else. I mean, there's, there's all of these different dynamics and it was, but, but that part was great. And frankly, I think that just relieves so much pressure. Like no one, Mm. you would picture, and this is at least my perception going before going into this, you would picture there being some level of broness. You've got, you've got to keep the pace. And if you're not keeping the pace, guys are dogging you. That is not the case at all for anyone. I mean, it's very much like the one night well, the two nights, both nights that we all, we all got to camp together. It's very much like you're coming in and guys are celebrating the fact that you just completed a really hard day. Like you did it. Mm-hmm. Doesn't really, doesn't really, that's all that matters. You completed it period. And that's a, that's a really, just a really, um, a really cool and unique environment to be in. I think. Yeah. It's like that on, I've always appreciated that. Cause that example of arriving at camp, we can jump way ahead to the very end, but we have guys finishing the hike and all getting back to the same end point, like hours and hours and hours apart. And, you know, being there a bit earlier, no one, no one is like in the front groups talking about, Oh my God, can you believe how far behind whoever is right? Or this group is, or none of that. And then you finish and the guys who finish earlier, you know, get a shower for the first time in three days, get some real food in you, get a cold drink, whatever, hang out. But there's literally every time there's always at least one person like looking out and this happened on this hike, but it happens every time looking out for the next guy coming in and everybody who's there, who's already finished is going to like make an effort to get their butt up off the couch and go out there and like celebrate and welcome everybody coming in. Um, and all that's a hundred percent genuine. Um, and I just love that about it. You know, everybody's there to support and encourage each other. It doesn't matter if you finished first or if you finished, you know, 10 hours later, right? Like you all did the same thing. Yeah. I think that's one of the, just one of the unique things. I think that's, uh, uh, one of the 
things I was most wrong about and I was glad I was wrong about it. <laughs> it's just a, it's a cool environment to be a part of. So day one, we climbed to the top of this, this peak with anticipation of continuing on because basically the entire route extended beyond this peak. Right? We were supposed to continue to really kind of walk the ridge line for quite a ways before dropping down, camping on the, the lower end of day one. So we get to the peak and <laughs> what happens? Yeah, so Henry and I were actually kind of up on top first um, at this peak of the ridge, not the peak where we ended up turning around, but kind of the crest of the ridge where we started traversing. And there was a few guys below and we were kind of hanging out, wait for them. And um, it got to be a group of, I don't know, maybe eight guys or something like that. And so we're, you know, we're at this ridge you talked about, we're supposed to be traversing for quite a ways and it's a knife ridge and, um, we traverse a bit of it and get to a spot where we start seeing some snow. Uh, some of it was passable. And then we get to a spot where there's a big cornice, um, off the knife ridge to the North end. And then kind of the South facing end is this big snow field. Um, really steep. It looks pretty solid, but it's also cracked in some areas and we just don't know the stability of it and uh henry and i i think we're standing with tyler boshma at that point and steve and a couple of other guys were just you know 20 yards ahead like at the snow line and henry and tyler and i were like man i don't i don't know like i think a few guys could cross this but i don't know that it's wise for 20 plus guys to cross this right um or that everyone would be comfortable crossing it. And so I, you know, we were kind of talking through, even if, even if some guys went, my opinion was there's going to be other guys who get to this point and won't do it. Like they're going to make a personal call and turn around. Um, and it's pretty early on. So then we're deciding like, okay, is it worth it to like the group to split this early or, you know, should some of us try this? Should all of us try this? I mean, we're less than eight miles in at this point. And uh, I look ahead and uh, Henry and Boschman and I were standing there and I look ahead and Steve and he's starting to pull stuff out of his pack and he's grabbing his micro spikes. And I'm, I literally turned to Tyler and I was like, you better go talk some sense into him and see what he's thinking. Because Steve's getting ready to like go check this out and try it. And I'll just say that if, if you were to try and cross this and started to slide, my opinion was more likely than not, you probably wouldn't be coming out of that. Like it would be an injury no matter what, literally potentially fatal. I mean, we're, it doesn't sound high cause we're at, you know, 4,500 feet, but you're straight up from the ocean. It's incredibly steep, loose rock on a knife edge. I and mean, you're standing at 4,500 feet looking straight down at water, essentially. Um, so yeah, the, with, I think, you know, as time trickled on, I don't know, we may have ended up with 12 guys up there, but we kind of all made the decision to, to turn around, which was again, months of, you know, anticipation and kind of planning the route. And, you know, we knew we were getting into, country we had never been in before a type of terrain that even when you look at maps it's hard to predict and we did have uh, some firsthand experience for guys who had done the route in general at other times a year 
And then we're several people were in contact with guys who were up there locally, kind of getting updates on conditions um, as, as the trip got closer, like all that week. So we went into it thinking that was all going to be passable, um, but knew it was going to be questionable in less than eight miles in. It was um, what is simply was the right call to make um, to essentially be like, all right, eight miles in, we're not, you know, not even 15% into this thing. And just really a handful of hours into the hike and immediately really the crux, not the crux of the route, but the entire route now shifts. Because as you said, we were supposed to carry on from that point and do a ton of miles into a whole different drainage. And that was essentially off the table when we decided to turn around. So I don't know, did you, when you got up there, Kyle, did you ever get up and see to the point where we turned from? Uh, I don't, I'm not sure where everyone turned. So we got up there, there's like a, you know, there's like a register box and then the route continues down and then the snow field was there. So we yeah. were, we were around there. I don't, I mean, we never, we never did hit the snow line and, you know, try to get on it or anything like that. Because at that point, um, we had seen Steve and Steve <laughs> see like, you know, so here we'd just climb this 4,000, you know, 4,000 foot um pitch or whatever and here's steve he's like well, you know we're going we're going back we're down, going back down. <laughs> right so yeah so I, you know i forget the warm-up right i forget what i forget how long we had taken to do that but anyway we had gone up and we could see we could see a couple of guys ahead of us and there's a um there's like a uh uh, I don't want to call it a beacon. What was that? Like a repeater, a tower or something? Yeah, some sort of tower up there. And so, yeah. you know, a lot of guys were taking a route towards the tower, traversing across the face of this thing and then going up. And I was with Brian and you know, Brian was like, it just looks like they're taking a really long time across to cross from that repeater up and over thinking it it's just super really loose, loose. And shaley. Yep. So we went a different route kind of up the up, up, a, up, a little bit of a steeper section rather than a longer one with the snow route. So we actually came up the ridge line. You guys were coming down as opposed to going around, yep. ran into Steve. Steve said, we're going down. And at that point, <laughs> you know, since we knew we were going down, you guys went down a separate drainage and we looked at each other. We were like, let's just go back down <laughs> the way we know, because we, like up. we, we assumed with it being Alaska, like it's it, Alaska's laid out, relatively unique i guess not really because you know it seems like even here in idaho whenever you get in a drainage there's always a lot of thick stuff down at the river bottom and then you know you work your yourself through that and you get above it this was a lot of it <laughs> right and and so we thought man it is going to be a nightmare if we drop off the side of this ridge and try to go through all of that to get to the bottom and go to kind of the next place that steve had had set up which ended up getting nixed anyway but you know so long story short we ended up going back down the way that we had come up i don't remember how many miles we ended up covering but really we ran into you guys at a bridge and then met up with the bigger camp you know shortly after that but yeah so day one and the plans were already foiled and we had to come back down and come back with a come up with a second uh, a second plan and that plan was initially to go try to summit another peak that was in the distance but it took so long to get back down that i f i think by the time we ran into you guys on the bridge it was what 8 p.m yeah i would just to recap what you said you guys made 
the more efficient call. I'll put it that way. <laughs> All the when we dropped off and went off the backside, and you guys just retreated up the way you came, um, they were Alaska miles for sure. Like it was, it was bad. It, it started off cool. Like the backside of this basin we went into was this really neat bowl, and um, we kind of hit water for the first time. Um, that was one thing that that climb all that 4,000 plus feet we did was incredibly hot and dry. Um, and so a lot of us needed water when we dropped off the backside of the bowl, took a little break and it was a gorgeous, awesome spot. We're looking up at that cornice basically where we turned around from and like evaluating that and looking at these other peaks and just absolutely Alaska gorgeous. Um, but as we started to lose elevation to get basically back down to, um, the river basin, it, it was thick and brushy and nasty and there, you know, there's this Creek and that we're following down, not intentionally following, but it was just like, you'd be on the right side of it and get completely choked out and like, Oh, let's just hop across the Creek. Like it looks good over there. And then you'd be on the left side for 50 yards and then do the same thing. So we crossed that Creek. I don't, I literally don't know how many times we crossed that Creek. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was nasty um nasty stuff and then it, uh what you've seen probably from the some of the videos kyle came to a point where one of the creek crossings was over a log um and was absolutely just just the creek was really really wide all of our crossings up until this point we just crossed it you know in boots and gators and now it had flattened out a little bit got really wide and was just absolutely ripping and there was a log and, um, you know, going back to what we said earlier about the dynamics of the trip, I don't know how many guys we had kind of in this group at this point, but I'll call it a dozen, maybe it could have been 14. Um, and I was like kind of in the middle to the back of that. Again, we're going through all this thick brush. And so you get these log jams of like the guy in the lead gets stuck essentially. And then guys are skirting around him and you end up taking a little bit different routes and then you get a little spaced out. Anyway, when I got to the log guys had already crossed it and then I'm watching other guys cross it and this log is getting wetter and wetter and looks less stable and I'm like looking under the log and then look downstream and on the death hikes and on hunts I've crossed a ton of logs over water and I'm looking at this one thing and like this just doesn't seem worth it to me like we don't have to cross right here we could keep going on this side of the creek and yeah it looks terrible um so I'm like waiting and watching a couple guys. And then when I got a better look, just a glance at what was downstream, there was another big log jam. And I'm thinking if somebody goes in, like there's legit chances of getting pinned against that. Um, and it was weird, Kyle, like I, I made not so much a, I was taking in input and like considering variables, but I made not so much an analytical decision as much as it was a, a gut decision of like, this just doesn't like feel right. Like I'm not peace about that. Um, and I've been in plenty of situations, especially on death hikes where it's like, I don't want to do this like necessarily by nature. I have some apprehension or even anxiety about doing it, but I'll do it. And this was just totally different. I was like, no, this is, just doesn't seem worth it to me. Um, so I turned to Henry and I was like, Hey man, do you like want to cross that? Or to me, like we could just keep pushing. Yeah. It's gonna be brushy, but I just, this doesn't look smart. And he's like, yeah, um, he's like, I will cross that, but I don't think it's necessary. And I was like, well, let's just hang over here. You know, we'll stay on this side and uh, Jakey, um, 
was with us and who else was with us i'm having such a mind blank at this point it was aj jake yep it was aj and jake and me and henry it was just the four of us as soon as i said to jake i was like hey man i'm not doing this henry and i are staying over here he's like i'm with you let's go (laughs) so yeah the uh the four of us stayed um didn't cross the creek and it was nasty getting down to essentially where you were kyle because i was looking ahead at the maps and going there's a trail below that goes over the creek but it's a, a legit trail so either at that trail there's a bridge or it's also much lower in elevation and you could look at the topography around the water and it was just much less steep so you're not like in the v of a canyon it's much uh, more spread out because you're closer to the river bottom um and just on assumption it's not always the case but on prior experience i kind of know it's like okay when you see topography like that around the water generally the water is going to spread out right um and so it's it could be something we wade through but it's probably gonna be wider and less um less hazardous so as it ended up as you said it ended up being a bridge which is where we met up with you guys but so calling so like in that in that scenario where you called it and you're just like you know, been in situations before that caused me some anxiety. Don't necessarily love doing it, but I'll still do it. This one just felt different. Is there a, like, is there something someone could use like in that moment or is there a process that you use to make that decision? Or was it literally just, I just don't feel right about it. Just a true gut call. Yeah, I think it was a gut call, but I think it was, um, just evaluating the consequence versus the necessity. And I guess a better question, a better way to ask that would be like, what was different about the times whenever you've had anxiety, didn't feel like doing it, but you were all right with it. And then seeing this and being like, this is something that I, I, it just isn't worth it. Yeah. I think if we talked like strictly water crossings, just as an example, because this applies to other things, but even on previous death hikes, there's been some, high log crossings above water like with a good fall and it's like yeah if you go down like you you know there's been some that are like the logs eight feet above the water and then you're in the water and yada 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 and the consequences of that in the past have been one getting wet which you don't really don't want to do on say like a hundred mile death hike and then have to hike with a bunch of wet clothing and gear or two (laughs) the consequence of I'm in a group with a bunch of cool dudes. I don't look like the idiot who falls off the log, right? So like, those were the only real consequences of, oh, if I fall, I get wet. And if I fall, I get laughed at. This one was, if I fall, I don't know that I'll die, but it felt like there was a real potential of maybe dying or creating a scenario where now other guys are legitimately hopping in the water uh, to try and help you, right? I'm, again, I'm not trying to be dramatic or say that if you went in, like you would have died, but I'm looking at downstream and the way this water was ripping and not knowing what's underneath or what rock could have trapped a leg and swept you over or what it would have looked like to get swept into that log jam downstream or any of that stuff. Right. I'm not trying to be dramatic, play hypotheticals, but to me in this situation, there was very real potential consequences that existed beyond like what you might be telling yourself in the head of like, Oh, I don't want to do this because or like giving yourself an out like this felt like it had real consequences. 
And at the end of the day, again, there was no necessity. Like the alternative was I stay safe and keep busting a bunch of brush. That's really going to suck to go through, but going through a bunch of brush, that's going to suck is like a surefire way to get home. So how, if you, so fast forward, you know, we all meet at camp, we get no sleep because it's light all the time and hot and all, all sorts of different things. I slept great by the way, this whole trip. Really? That later. Oh, I what, slept so good. What's your, uh, what was your pro tip for keeping the light out? I don't know, man. So I thought at one point before the hike of getting an eye mask, which I've never worn. And then the first night I saw a dude with one, and I was like, dang it. That's what I forgot, you know? And dude, for whatever reason, I took a half of uh, an ibuprofen PM, just like a half of a little one. And then I would like lay on my back and put the bill of my ball cap, like basically kind of over my eyes. So my hat's like real up and tipped forward on my head. And I don't know if it was just the physical output and half a Tylenol PM, but dude, I, I only slept, you know, five hours each night, but it was like the best five hours of sleep that I've gotten in a bivy ever. Well, I am very jealous of you. I, so <laughs> Brian, Brian brought an eye mask and I did not. And thankfully I remembered like on the, the second evening I had a net gator with me. So I did use that to finally cover my eyes. Nice. And I, I mean, I guess I slept a couple hours the first night, but it is really, um, gosh, I don't even know the word. It really messes with your head. Like, you know, so landing in Anchorage at eight or 9 PM on Thursday, sleeping in that smoking hot room where it was just basically light the whole night, mm -hmm. the highway back there, then you're, you never really experience any darkness. You wake up the next day, you do this big output, even coming down, you know, coming down 4,000 vertical feet in a couple miles, your legs aren't feeling super. Yeah. It wears <laughs> right? I mean, that's, that's tough too. And then there's no, there's just no night. Like it's, it's just, this, it's something I've never been, I've never experienced. So it definitely is just, um, it's just, it's just weird. Like you don't, you, you wake up and you're like, I don't, I don't know what day it is. I remember texting Lindsay a couple of times or in reach. I'm like, what, you know, what is the actual time trying to mm -hmm. remember? Like, is my watch right? Is, is it still on Boise time? Is it on Alaska time? What time is it? <laughs> Cause I just had yeah. no real concept of how long we'd been hiking or not been hiking, what time it was. And uh, made it tough to sleep in, but I mean, it's all part of the deal, right? Like it was still, it was still fun. It was just interesting. Weird. Yeah. I probably slept good that first night. Cause as you said, like essentially for the 48 hours before that, I'd only slept a few hours and had a lot of travel and I slept way better in a bivy on night one of the hike than I did in the house in that hot yeah. room that you mentioned the night yeah. before. So day two, we wake up, um, and kind of two, I guess really, well, really three groups left at different times. Um, pretty easy going, would you even call it? It's not even easy. There was nothing easy, but easy going compared to 4,000 we feet. Four, yeah. yeah, exactly. But I, I mean, I, Steve had mentioned what you, we had averaged and it was something like, I think a mile per hour throughout the duration. And it had nothing to do with like no one trying. It's just, and this is going to sound dramatic. I don't mean for it to sound dramatic, but everything is just harder, right? I yeah. mean, everything just takes more time and uh, I think that's why it just dramatically slowed the pace. Yeah. I think that for guys who had done the death hike before, um, it was 
it was both frustrating and exhausting because there's a, as you said, like there's a bunch of guys who've done a lot of these and a lot of us are used to covering a lot of miles and pretty quickly. So like even in the mountains, it's like, oh yeah, we got to go 2,500 feet up here. But if you're on trail, that's relatively open, you can be pretty efficient. And so there's long stretches of death hikes where we've done three plus miles an hour. And here you're working just as hard and going a third of the pace. Like you're going a mile an hour, which when you're used to going much faster and you feel like you're working just as hard, it like that was a mental play in and of itself, which was interesting. I mean, we, um, everybody had a little bit different total mileage, but the total mileage I came out with from tracking this with my watch was 34 miles. We've done that in one day before. Um, so to do that in two days, it just, I don't know, it feels way different, you know? And then, yeah, it was just the, yeah, it was just Alaska. Like we got Alaska. I don't know how else to put it. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's good. Uh, that's a good terminology. So yeah, day two, um, you know, we left camp and initially the idea was there was a probably equivalent peak that we slept just below and sort of the last that we had heard was we're going to climb that in the morning. Um, and then, well, that evening was the plan. The first, the end of day one was the original plan. And then we just got, I mean, everything just took longer. So we got back later and, you know, everybody was, just, by the time most guys got to night one camp, it was pushing 10 PM. I think. Yeah, yeah. probably it was, it was late. So yeah, uh, Steve had, stopped by on the way out and sort of gave us the redirect on what the plans were for the second day. And it started pretty, pretty mellow, mellow in the sense of you're not climbing a ton of vertical feet and you kind of meandered through like just some timber. Like it was just, it was really, it was nice. Honestly, the hike was nice. Um, mm-hmm. and then, oh, and then the river crossing. <laughs> That's what it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So we're on a river bottom pretty easy miles there was a couple of creek crossings like at one point i know henry and i threw on micro spikes and like crossed a log across a creek um and then another point i pulled off shoes and gaiters and got in crocs because there was it's basically like this trail was flooded out in the river bottom so there was just you were going through water for a while um but yeah overall there was like some good places where you could kind of stride out and hike at a decent pace through that um and then the river crossing. Yeah. Yeah. So this is like a, a highlight of your trip, Kyle. And I think a highlight of everybody else is hearing about Kyle's river at, crossing. At my expense. Yeah. Yeah. So Brian and I, um, you know, so Steve had said everybody needs to kind of find a partner just to, to hike with. And uh, Brian and I are friends. We've hunted together here in Idaho and hiked together. We've just done a lot of different things together. So he and I were, were paired up. Um, and kind of the there's about eight or so guys that left early and then brian and i left after that and then there was a group of probably six or seven that left even after us and so by the time we had gotten to the creek all of the you know the initial eight had just gotten across they were on the other side drying you know drying feet putting shoes on getting ready to go um and you know so the creek is like everybody was 
basically stripping down to boxers and going across. Well, for the most part, some guys left their, their pants on, but it was deep enough that I think only Steve. Yeah. It was deep enough that, you know, just stripping was good. (laughs) Yeah. So prepared to go across it. And so what happened with me (laughs) was, I mean, it's, I've, we've, I've crossed quite a few rivers in Idaho, um, usually in the fall during hunting season, but never anything that's moving this fast or uh, is this, no, I've crossed wider, but never anything that seems to be moving this fast and as deep as it is. So, you know, strip down, throw my Crocs on, get ready to go across and hit the, like, you know, right whenever you come off of the, the bank of the creek, you get that first catch of the current. And my feet just, I mean, they're ready to go out from underneath me immediately. So I go out a little bit further and, and this was like the creek itself, as you cross looking back, like now that, now that we, we did it, it almost got like, like, feel free to jump in here, but I feel like it got, got deep. Like you hit a little deep pocket and then it just got tremendously shallow and you were fine. So mm-hmm. I hit this deep pocket, which is probably chest high to me, mm-hmm. maybe. I'm like, oh no, this is, <laughs> <laughs> this is not going to be good. So I ended up going back to the other side. And uh, a couple of the other guys had come over. And what what eventually sort of helped me, and I think this goes back to your creek crossing comments earlier of the one that, that was on day one and trying to decide, okay, this is anxious. This causes me some anxiety, but I'll do it versus being life-threatening or whatever. As I was able to see guys go across and know that it's just that one little deep pocket and beyond that, it's okay. That mm-hmm. helped me, me seeing guys go across that helped me realize, get over a lot of those initial anxieties of thinking like this thing's going to be chest deep the whole way across. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how I'm going to get across it. I'm going to have, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to have to figure it out, I guess. Mm-hmm. But seeing a couple of those guys go across really helped me realize you get past that initial part and you know it'll be it'll be fine yeah yeah this one um this one didn't have the consequences of the other one right so it's like it was a wider body of water um it was actually had a less bigger boulders in it but yeah if you were like you or anybody else kyle were to get swept away and off the rope and truly just in the water it flattened out it calmed down you'd been able to swim to the bank so um this was one that you know going into it it's like yeah some guys may be a little intimidated by it but there's no assuming everyone can remotely swim there's no real consequences to this one um and i think it was one of the ones that again for you know i don't i know a lot of the guys on the death hike but i don't know everybody and it was one of the ones that for me is like if nobody's ever done anything like this i think they're going to see it and maybe be intimidated but at the end of the day i was really excited because i also know this is something that everybody can do maybe even if they don't think they can when they first see it and it's one of those things that when you do this um like it just builds confidence right so at the end of the day this is going to be good for everyone even if they see it and like freak out a little bit yeah so um you know end up going back in second time hit that deep pocket legs come out lose a crock <laughs> and basically i like 
basically a legends of the hidden temple across this thing, right? Like just, <laughs> just sort of like sloth crawl because I couldn't like what happened was, you know, you hit, I hit this little, I mean, it was deep to me. Deep is relative because you see other guys hit it. And even if you watch like a video of it, I mean, there's guys cruising across that, but for whatever reason, it just caught my, caught my feet and took me up and I couldn't, like I couldn't stand. So, you know, basically crawled across it and, um, you know, finally got to the other side where it evened out a little bit. It was less, less quote unquote deep. And I was able to stand up and get across it. But so going um, back to the intro, this is where most of your bruises came from. That is where the only bruise came from. And the bruise was from, so what a lot of guys did was they would face the rope like parallel, right? Like, so you're crossing the river and you're, you're, you're taking both hands and chest is parallel with it. Yeah. Your chest is parallel with it. You're taking both hands and you're basically kind of leaning back with the rope. And as you cross, you're going kind of hand, you know, hand next to hand across what worked better for me, because when I did that, I hit that little bitty quote unquote deep part and the rope has some give to it. And it would just, I don't know, didn't work for me. So I saw AJ, AJ had grabbed the rope underneath his armpit and basically like, almost like you would give like a little cousin a noogie, right? Like you're just kind of, uh, so he would take one hand in front and then grip the other part of the rope with underneath his armpit. And that worked great for me. So the, the bruise was from the pressure of that rope squeezing into my arm from the, 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 the volume of water coming off of the, uh, off the river. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it looked gnarlier than it probably was. In fact, I didn't even notice it until I got home. But <laughs> anyway, made for a good story. It's good to have a battle so, yeah, wound. Lose my croc, get across, find a Solomon speed cross in my size on the same foot from the side that I lost from my croc. So I had another water crossing shoe the rest of the hike. Yeah, it was funny because so I was in the group ahead of you and I didn't watch you cross. I was basically there when you got to the river and you guys were you know stripping down to boxers and whatnot. And I ended up leaving. And we saw the, the the Solomon there. Like, oh, that's random. Like one random Solomon, blah, blah, blah. And we all kind of joked like, oh, well, this, you know, eventually this is going to pay off like the sitting here. Somebody is going to be able to use it at the right time. Right. And so skipping way ahead, Kyle, I didn't, I left you at the river, didn't watch you cross, nothing else. Uh, and I don't know how many hours later that night you show up to camp with the speed cross and then tell us the yeah. like, it was fate i lost my croc got to the other side the speed cross was sitting there it's the correct foot and a decent size and so we all got a kick out of that for sure yeah it was uh i mean it's like i don't know how long it had been sitting there but it started to grow moss but it was the <laughs> it was the perfect size and there were no more um you know like there were no more quote-unquote big river crossings but there were a couple of places where you know we did take off our boots get into crocs and so yeah it it's like i used it on that trip in fact i shoved it in my bag and uh it's here at home so good souvenir uh, yeah it was an awesome souvenir so yeah the rest of that day is um the rest of that day was a mix of misery and a mix of just really cool points along the way right and so you, you know you get out of that creek you traverse the side of kind of traverse the side of the mountains with the idea of knowing that we've got to go up to make it to a saddle to get to you know the rest of our route and so we ended up climbing i don't know how big that climb was do you remember yeah almost yeah almost 2000 between 1500 and 2000 
Yeah, so we, you know, we we climbed up that and then came God, the worst part of the whole deal, which was the side hill of death. Was that worst for you? That section? You know, that yeah. Like physically? Uh, it wasn't physically hard. It was, it's just awkward, right? So you're dealing with, uh, and like we've side hilled a lot doing different hikes here in Idaho, but th- I think the thing that made it more challenging was number one, the, ex- the amount of exposure was tough, right? Like there is nowhere to hide and that sun was brutal. So you're just mm-hmm. getting beat with this sun. And that was, that was maybe one of the more surprising and, and like mentally hard parts for me was just dealing with that the whole time. The second is your, everything is so tall and slick, mm-hmm. slippery and steep. So no, like there is, it's almost like an, it's just unrelenting on the side hill. And in Idaho, it may be a long side hill, but you'll find spots that'll be okay. And you can rest and you're not slipping on, you know, the, the, um, you're not necessarily slipping on anything constantly. Right. And, and in this, like, in fact, one of the guys in our group, he ended up stopping and putting his micro spikes on. So it wasn't, it wasn't physically hard. It was just all of these little elements that made it just made it tough. And yeah, I think it was that left foot, right. That just, Mm -hmm. that was by far the hardest part on like, when you think about, you know, like usually on long hikes, guys will talk about their feet holding up. That was definitely the hardest part for like the, the part that hurt my feet the most. Didn't get yeah. any blisters from it, but by the time we made it all the way around, they were definitely hot and I like, you know, just wanted a creek to dip them in or something. Yeah. It was the same for me. That was the point. As you said, it wasn't like physical, like endurance or leg shot, but just the feet and the heat and the side hill. And you couldn't, you kind of couldn't trust each step. Like everyone was different because you, number one, can't see the ground you're stepping on. And then you're stepping on this cover that sometimes holds and sometimes gives. And it was the point, um, like in the hike where it's like, I legitimately just kind of want this. And I don't mean the hike, but like this part to be over with. Like, I just want, even in like the big 4,000 foot climb, it was like tiring or whatever, but it's also like, yeah, I came here to climb, you know, this is physically yeah. tired, but um just yeah the mental grind and um yeah feeling on the feet and ankles it was a tough section and then you know our experience of doing that was we were in a group um it was funny because we there was probably eight of us who left the river eight or ten guys who left the river together uh you know in the river bottom and some thick stuff and along the way it ended up being uh, three of us. Um, and we thought, man, those other guys, like, you know, we took a turn that they didn't. And then we thought, Oh, they, they're definitely going to be way ahead of us. And then we started that big climb. We talked about up to the side hilling that we eventually did. And as it turns out, we got ahead of them somehow. So we sat and took a break on this climb, fully expecting everyone else to be up and ahead of us. And all of a sudden here come here, they come from below us. I was like, Oh, that's weird. And so we, you know, hung out with them and got up to this kind of big knoll and we're all sitting there going, you know, we can see this pass we need to go to, but the question becomes like, what's the best way to get there? Um, should we keep gaining elevation and then side hill super high? Should we basically still stay at the elevation we're at and side hill at the current elevation? Um, and then at one point we saw guys like in the bottom below us, then it being 
um, Steve and a couple of guys and we're like, Oh, they had the right idea. Like they're lower. And literally from this one point we had Steve and a couple guys at the bottom. And then what became, I don't know, a group of eight ish guys all at one null take three different routes, all getting to the same point, you know? And it was one of those situations where I think everybody was tempted to look at the other guy or the other group and go, Oh man, they made the right call. But when we all finally met back up, it was like, Oh, that was terrible. You know, like every one of us was like, I don't know that there's a good route at all through that stuff. I don't know if this is true or not, but like Jake and Justin and Scott Salmon and a few other guys who took the low route, we went way high (laughs) to try to get around. And so like we were having the same conversation of, you know, would it be better to stay high and try to side hill this whole thing? And I think like the, the issue that we thought we would run into going low would be there's ridges between, you know, where we're going and and where those guys were at. So you're climbing up and down, up and down, Mm -hmm. up and down, as opposed to just staying high and avoiding all of that, but you're side hilling the whole way. And yeah, I I don't know that there was a good way, you know, or a better way to do it, but eventually same deal. We ended up meeting with, there's probably a group of eight or nine of us um, together on the, the side hill. And then like, then we started to work our way up kind of up that valley and mm-hmm. alongside that creek. And then we started to see, you know, the sheep and yeah. just the most, I mean, it was awesome. Like I've never been anywhere like that in my life and seeing what that looked like. It was pretty, after doing all of that, it was kind of a, just a cool reward. Yeah. That, that whole coming out of the side of healing, kind of like feet hurt, you're sweaty, you're super hot, exhausted. And then, As you said, you kind of get into this gorgeous setting, an awesome creek flowing. We all stopped and got fresh cold water out of it and um, soaked our feet. Some guys like got down to their boxers and sat in this ice cold water for a while and took this break. Um, And then, yeah, this this bowl kind of worked its way back. And as you started working back into it, it just got cooler and cooler. And then, yeah, as you said, there was a bunch of sheep in there and just a gorgeous little lake. And um it was, yeah, like that's one of those spots that's kind of like burned in my mind. Yeah. Um, and just like something I'll keep going back to for photos. God, that spot, right? Like being in that spot was so just amazing. Yeah. 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 It's, a, I mean, you could have made the argument just to stay there, right? Just to stay there for the day and watch those mm-hmm. sheep and camp there, wake up the next morning and keep going. But, you know, we knew we had quite a bit to go. So, so yeah, worked our way through that and then up and over another climb, another like 1500 feet or something. Yeah. But in like less than a mile, like it was a, it was a big pull. And then for us in the lead group, what we were somewhat concerned with is can we get off the back side of it? Um, the climb up to that saddle, um, was steep, but easy to climb terrain wise, wasn't too loose. Um, just incredibly steep and looking at sat imagery beforehand, the backside looked rocky, nasty, cliffy. And so it was another spot where we're going, hope this isn't yesterday. Hope we're not making this, you know, we had not only done this final 1500 feet or whatever in less than a mile, but all the side hilling and stuff before that. And there's really not a great alternative to get out of this country. So we were just hoping that the backside was uh, possible really to get down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I would imagine we'd have to just go back. 
right? The same way. Yeah. I mean, I think we would have been back all the way down to the river. Yeah. Lost several thousand feet and had to get out a different way. There was, you know, another adjacent bowl, um, but it, it didn't look any better by any means. Um, we got to the top and honestly, it, there were some questions. Yeah. I mean, there were sections of that that were like, I think we're good, but there just wasn't, you know, you're standing at the top and you're looking down, you know, another thousand plus feet and you just don't see like the obvious choice. There was no obvious choice of how to get down. So literally our group of eight or 10 or 12, however many dudes that was like, just kind of started fanning out a little bit. And you just literally hear guys going, I'm good over here. And you'd see somebody like veer that way. And, um, you know, losing the top half of that was the worst. So once, you know, we all kind of came through it, um, in different ways and, and really hit a snow patch then. And some guys, you know, myself included, were kind of sliding down the snow and having some fun. So it was, it was a cool spot for sure, but there was a, a little bit of a question mark there. Yeah. I mean, we, same deal. We sort of spread out and came down it. And like, honestly, the, there was a couple, I, you know, it was very steep, but what stands out to me is some of the most memorable is if you're the guy below, there's rocks right that from the guy above yep. and those rocks will carry some real speed, you know, like, and they, they don't even need to be big to the mm-hmm. point of where uh, there was one instance in particular that a rocket broke loose from someone up above and there were three or four guys below um, where they had to get out of the way pretty quick. Uh, it was, you know, it would have hit them for sure had they not moved, but I mean, yeah, those are, you know, that's pretty significant consequence if one of those hits somebody in the head. Yep. So yeah, made, made our way down there. And, um, that again was just beautiful, beautiful, just beautiful. Oh, like, like a, we got down to the kind of the, not the bottom bottom, but when you come out of that steep section and you start hitting this like rolly spongy ground, all of a sudden it was like, are we in iceland or something like it was crazy that's what i was gonna say even walking there is it's not like it's not what i've heard and maybe you can attest this because i think you've been there it's not what i've heard described as like tundra but it is spongy like it's almost like spongy styrofoam almost like i don't even know how to describe it yeah it wasn't nasty tundra like i've been up in the brooks and on our caribou hunt um you know, we called them the big hairy balls and terrible, terrible stuff to cover. So it wasn't that it was the, yeah, exactly what you said. It was spongy, a little bit crunchy. It honestly felt great because it felt like you were walking on cushion. Um, and so to be, I don't know, however, like 26 miles into this hike or whatever, and then having just come down some super steep stuff. And all of a sudden you're literally not bouncing, but just like, you know, boo, 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 and a little bit of cushion to every step and a little of this weird crunch. And these lakes were just laid out and you see these massive peaks in the distance. Um, again, just another spot that's like, I don't know if I've ever seen anything that cool again. Um, it's just unique. Yeah. So you guys, uh, your group or whatever was a little bit ahead of us. And we had, we'd come down that steep slope, went across this spongy bliss, 
came around a corner and see this shiny blue nylon tent in the valley. And to this point, we're thinking, you know, we knew that there was another saddle we had to go across. And I'm pretty sure that we, there was like another eight to 10 miles to meet at that, the point that we were all going to meet at that night. And we, you know, I think it was was probably eight or 9 PM at that point. So we were, you know, we were fully prepared to do it, but we get around the corner and we see this shiny blue tent for the nylon. And we're like, man, that has got to be our group. And as we get closer and we get closer, we see more and more tents. We see more and more people. We're like, this is too big of a group to be just random people backpacking in Alaska. And sure enough, you guys had, had stopped a little bit just below the saddle that we were going to climb. We all, you know, camped there that night and planned to finish the hike the next day. Yeah, we got down there and it was pretty early. Um, and it, physically, I think everybody was ready to push. But part of it, part of it was, it was really in my head, it was two things. One is this spot was an unbelievable spot to camp that literally would have been like, we've come all the way to Alaska and we've worked really hard to get to this point. And we also knew that once we went up and over the saddle, we would have dropped down to basically another thick, nasty, brushy, unattractive river bottom. So it's like, there's plan a, we go camp in another ugly, thick river bottom. It, it would have like felt in my opinion, like we didn't do it justice to like walk past this location. Like, Oh, that's gorgeous. That's pretty. Let's hike up there, you know? And and then the other thing was just kind of a safety factor. So Steve had, you know, been sending out messages to the groups behind us within reach and trying to hear back from folks to know if they were okay. And that communication um, wasn't happening. And so we just also had the question mark, like we know guys are behind us a couple different groups, but, they should be okay, but we've also covered a lot of country or you know, we just flat out didn't know how far behind some guys were um, or if everything was okay. And so part of it was like, Steve made the decision. I can't like, maybe we can hike later, but we need to chill here for a while till I hear somebody. Um, and then I also thought like, I remember telling, I think it was Steve. I remember telling at one point, like, literally sitting there looking at how grand this spot was and going, how often would we get to camp here? Like, yeah, it's only, I don't know, 6 PM or it may have been earlier than that. I don't know, but, um, it just kind of felt it was doing an injustice to leave that spot in a way. And, you know, from the physical, like difficulty perspective, we certainly could have pushed, but, um, how many times you're in Alaska with 20 dudes and have an opportunity to, be in that spot and not only take that side in, but then share it with people. Right. So it was, it was fun for the, those of us who were sitting there, but honestly, like when we saw you guys coming down and more guys join the camp and we had a bigger group for that night and sat around and ate a meal and had laughs and heard about your river crossing. And like, those are, those are special moments too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The camaraderie at camp, like, you know, the challenge is fun. Obviously you're in a great place. You spend all these months preparing for it, but like the ability to just sit there at night and, and hang out with guys that all have a common interest. I, I mean, I just won't forget that. It was awesome. And, um, yeah, it was a, another great just camp spot, like little rivers flowing between just all down this Valley uh, below a bunch of peaks with again, sheep on them. And, um, just a really cool really cool spot 
So wake up day three, and really it's about the only smooth thing that happened. There was, you know, we climbed another saddle, went down another, the backside of that, and um, caught a trail, and the trail was pretty easy going on the way out, all the way back to our cabin. Yeah, we, uh, I was hiking with Tyler Boshma leading into that camp we just talked about, um, like coming down off that big pass that was sketchy and through the crunchy delight. And he was like, Hey, how are you feeling, man? Like you feeling up to hiking? I was like, yeah. He's like, I'm, I don't know. I'm thinking about getting a couple guys and going through the night, just finishing this thing tonight. And, uh, I've done that, you know, before on hikes and I was feeling fine. So I was like, well, if you guys are serious, let me know. I'll tag along. Right. And, um, so that was like talked about, but you know, I didn't know how serious he was. And anyway, long story short, we got down before we got down to where we ended up setting camp that kind of lake area we camped at him and two other guys like circled around this lake and everybody like they zigged and everybody else zagged. And then I thought they were going to circle around and come back to us, but they circle around and then kind of go up that saddle and disappear. And I was like, those turds, like they took off and they're going to finish without me. Like I told Tyler, like, to let me know you know and so three guys had taken off well we thought they're all gonna finish and we saw later that evening like they went up to that saddle but they actually camped there and so they were camped above us and one of the dudes in that group he's super quiet but just a total beast um he he's going to finish the death hike first and he doesn't talk trash like he just does it quietly but like he will destroy souls if he has to, to finish the death hike first. And so he was up in there and some of us like started as a joke, like, Oh, they're camped up in that saddle. It's like, how funny would it be if we got up early and snuck past them and then either had someone wake them up or let them wake up and realize, Oh crap, there's guys ahead of us, you know? So a plan was hatched that at 3 AM, a group of guys were going to wake up from this bottom at the lake climb up into the saddle, quietly sneak past their little camp and get this head start on them. So I don't, I don't know how many guys of us did that six or seven or something like that. And, and Steve hiked up with us into the saddle, but then stayed at the camp to let us get a head start. I think of only like five or 10 minutes, but then keep in mind, they had to then wake up eat if they wanted to eat, pack up camp, et cetera. So they have like a, a five, 10 minute notice of like, Hey, those guys passed you five minutes ago, but it's really going to be like a 30 minutes they're behind. Right. Cause they got to pack up camp and whatever. So Steve wakes them up. We pass through and, uh, he wakes them up and is like, Oh yeah. Like, guess what guys, they snuck past you. They're ahead of you. You better get moving. And, uh, they're like, all right, no big deal. Like we'll catch them, you know? So we get to the bottom back down the river cruising this river bottom and we look back kind of up into the saddle and we saw some guys sitting there and we thought oh that's like that's still travis like he's way up there he's never going to catch us you know and one of the guys who who said that was it was his first time on the death hike and he didn't know travis and i was like you can say that but i was like he will catch us and he's like no dude there's no way like you got a head start he won't catch us and kyle was like a it was like a movie script like within 10 seconds here comes travis running running down the trail what are you just going excuse me excuse me like we were in his way oh my gosh it was so funny so yeah travis and uh ryan bayless literally 
got up, packed up their stuff. They ran down this steep draw, got down to the river bottom trail we were on, ran right past us. The two guys who we had saw further up in the Seattle, uh, in the saddle were Steve and Tyler. Um, so yeah, those dudes ran it out and then Dione and Dan were kind of in our group and Travis passed us running and Dione and Dan like literally looked at each other. I don't know if they said a word and they took off and started running. So yeah, dude, the whole, Which that stuff is not, I mean, that was like, that was thick and it was really thick, high. Man. I mean, it I, was, like, it wasn't, the trail wasn't until like the bottom and the last maybe what, five miles, but yeah. coming off, coming off of that saddle, well, first of all, it was, it was a little challenging to navigate because I remember like you didn't know if you went right, if it would be the better option than going left, yep. but left was the creek. And you thought like we started contemplating, just go down the creek, right? Like yep. you'll avoid a lot of the, you know, you'll avoid a lot of the, the overgrowth, et cetera, and it'll carry you down to where we needed to go. We ended up staying right, finding your guys's path, cruising mm -hmm. through that and then hitting the trail. But like the fact that he, <laughs> the fact that he, you guys had that head start and he caught you, number one is not shocking, but number two, um, uh, says a lot about exactly what I was saying earlier. Like he's, that's just not human. Some of the stuff that he does. Yeah. And pretty awesome. Coming down that and catching us, but then the, you know, he probably caught us with five miles to go and it was quote unquote all trail, but a lot of it you couldn't see like you couldn't see your footing there's a lot of rock at sections there's a lot of water there's a lot of roots um and all that's kind of below grass that is kind of like growing from the sides of the trail and in and for a split second i even thought about running not to catch him like i knew i wasn't going to but it was just like oh you know whatever i'll you know maybe go with dan and Dione or whatever and then it was instant like man that's just sorry guys, but that's stupid. Like going back to like a, I don't have to, like there's a, there's a risk here and then no necessity. And you know, this is July and I got hunts I want to do in six to eight weeks. Right. And so like the idea of running on a bunch of uneven footing that you can't fully see, like everybody thankfully came out of it with no injuries, but there was a, a little bit of a risk factor there too. Yeah. that Yeah. You're right. Even the trail was like not it wasn't like cruising speed. I mean, there was no, a lot of I still stuff, think stuff yeah, I mean, we were, it was the fastest section of the whole hike, uh, hiking wise, but yeah, it wasn't, you know, well-groomed, easy to see trail. Yeah. So we all, you know, we all ended up all 23 of us making our way back to the lodge and cleaning up and just having a, <laughs> Oh man. Some of those dudes, I don't think I've laughed. Oh, I yeah. not, I'm not, there's no think about it. I have not laughed that hard. <laughs> um i don't know when it's been a really long time since i've laughed that many hours in a row um most of which we probably can't repeat on here but uh yeah. it was just awesome to be able to go back there and just hang out with everybody we got some pizzas and made tacos and you know I, like that's, that was the other i don't want to say surprising thing because it really you could file it under what i'd said earlier but you know going back and you're, you know, you're doing this thing that seems so hardcore and so whatever that it's, it, there's really nothing about that. Once you get back there, right? Like everybody's just spending time together and you guys just all did this really cool thing. And, um, it was just a ton of fun to be able to finish at that lodge and have 10, 12 hours together before everybody started flying out the next day. Yeah, it was, it was special. Cause I mean, we, 
we talked about extending again, like the route got thrown out the window seven miles in on day one, we turned around and we knew like roughly, okay, this is now the alternate route. And essentially one option was when we, we got, we started the last day, climbed up into the Seattle and the saddle came down out of the saddle, hit the river. An option was to cross the river, gain up a bunch of elevation, another three or four, 4,000 feet, do this like big loop up in the Alpine and then come back down to the lodge. And it was like, that's all doable. Um, and most people are going to get out, you know, what ended up being Saturday night, but probably some people weren't going to get out till you know 2 a.m. Saturday night. Right. And Sunday morning, everybody had to like start getting from this lodge and getting rides and getting to the airport. Like everybody's for the most part flying home Sunday. So it's like, okay, we could do this from a pure like add miles at difficulty perspective um and then it was like okay what's the alternative if we come out as you said we have this time where 20 of these guys get to hang out and be in alaska and tell stories and um yeah it was it was cool man we had a little cornhole tournament and destroyed i don't know how many domino's pizzas and yeah just a ton of laughs and a ton of fun i don't regret it one bit yeah, me, me either. It's hard to, like, I don't even know how to really wrap this up. And there was a ton of, not a ton, there was a handful of really great questions that I feel like we tried to do a disservice to if we tried to shove them in here. But I would be, like, for us both to end on one, what, specifically thinking of this hike, what did you learn or what would you do different? Or you could you could maybe even say, like, what was your biggest takeaway? What would you change in future hikes? Like, what is that thing that really stood out to you as, I don't want to say a memory, like in terms of obviously the country was beautiful, but what stands out as that one thing that you would change going into future hikes? Yeah, I don't know that there's a ton there. One of the, it was like encouraging in a perspective, Stephen, I talked about this a little bit of coming out of this death hike, not only for us personally, but for the call it the whole group collectively like people had issues people made uh decisions that they would change on future death hikes right so there's if you talk to guys there's like you know there'd be guys who'd say i would do this different with gear or nutrition or footwear or strategy or whatever like there was lessons learned but compared to previous years death hikes there was fewer of that so more guys came out of this death hike going oh actually this was a great decision this gear worked well, my footwear worked well, my nutrition was on point, et cetera, et cetera. And it was honestly just encouraging to see that because I don't think that was, it wasn't coincidence based on conditions or what the route ended up being or anything else. It was more guys having for themselves personally, more experience of knowing what works and what doesn't work. Cause most of these guys had done death hikes before and learned those hard lessons. And so for me, it was, you know, very similar. Like, I don't know that I'd look back and go, Oh, I wish I would have, um, everything was honestly pretty dang great. What was the biggest lesson learned? Again, this isn't something I do different, but what sticks out to me as a lesson learned is honestly being a little bit like, I'm glad that I made the decision with the Creek crossing, um, that I did, even though essentially almost everybody else was going to do it. Right. So the whole, like, Oh, I should just <laughs> theoretically like, 
are you going to jump off the bridge if all your friends do right? Like there is that little bit of peer pressure when you're with a group of guys and you just watched eight of them go do it and you're going, no, I'm not going to do that. Right. Um, so I was, you know, again, I probably would have crossed that log in totally fine, but, uh, in the moment I was glad I didn't do it. And even now here later, I'm still glad that I didn't do it. And it was just like, now I'm going to stick to what I feel is best for me personally and go another direction. Um, so that was something that kind of stick with me. It seems like a very like elementary lesson, but just like listen to your gut and follow what you feel is best for you in the moment, even if there's a bunch of people doing something else. Right. And I don't fault anybody else for doing that or trying it. Um, I was just at the end of the day, glad I did what I did really. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. For me. Um, and this is, I, I feel like I almost feel like this is a cop out, but it's my answer. So, and I've learned this, like, and you, you know me pretty well, <laughs> you know, how analytical I am, you know, how much I like to have all the dot, all the, uh, eyes dotted and T's crossed, which is kind of crazy when you think about just the business of Valley to peak as a whole. Cause I didn't have, any of that figured out. I just kind of figured it out as we went along, but maybe that's, that is the lesson is every time I just like commit to something and trust my own gut to figure it out, like to get the answers as I go along, as opposed to having all the answers and then committing, I always do great. Right. And I always, um, like not even great in a performance sense, just great in a mental sense of going and figuring it out and, and having, I think this is good too, for even, uh, like even in the hunting world or the backpacking world, or especially if people are new to it, relatively new to it, maybe only a couple of years where they can't necessarily call themselves an expert in it, but also not their first rodeo is to have confidence in what you do know. It's probably more than what you what you think you do. And that's not to say like I stood out as whatever on it. That's not the case at all. I'm just an average guy, but um just commit to going on and doing things like that and figuring it out as opposed to having everything figured out and then committing not committing to go until then. Yeah, that's good. Cool. Well thanks for joining man. Yeah it was fun. Appreciate you checking out the episode this week. I hope you'll join us for part two and three that are coming again, definitely in the next couple of weeks. Again, there's a variety of folks that were on those episodes. And the thing that I loved the most about that is you get so many different perspectives and you're going to see that there really is no single right way to do something like this. If you enjoyed this episode, would you consider giving it a rating or review in the podcast app? That helps us tremendously. And if not, if you don't feel like rating it, <laughs> it's totally fine. But maybe you've got a friend or a relative that you've been talking on, uh, talking about taking on some sort of adventure that you guys are interested in. Pass this along to them and follow that last piece of advice that I learned from this, which is don't try to figure it all out ahead of time. Just make a game plan, commit and go, and you'll figure it out along the way and, and never regret going. Thanks again for joining us this week. Have a great week, everyone.